Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. And it is good to be back with all of you and uh, our listeners and you, Rick. And um, what's going on? Um, not too much. The The trip that we did last week to Mount Evans was a lot of fun. It was yeah. enjoyable. That that was really great. I mean, it was. I just always honestly, love going up there. It, I just always do. It it's you got to get out and use your gear, and it's easy to forget. It's easy to just get into a rut where you're just not taking pictures, and that was so nice to be able to do, and to have two days to do it too. So we had that, you know, evening and a morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to go back and learn from mistakes and, and, you know, what would you do differently? And then our, our bonus show for, for this, uh, this month, we, which we'll have out soon, we're going to go through our photos. So if you're one of our show supporters, you'll be able to hear us going through and talking about what worked and what didn't work from some of our own pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's always cool. Um, Another thing um, out there, if you are one of our patrons, which we really do support, uh, we do appreciate, um, you can get, you can become a supporter of the show by just visiting um, imagedoctorsphoto.com and click on, you know, support the show link. Um, but if you're one of our supporters at the uh, patron or higher level, there's a new article out on our blog, a uh, video of, um, from a couple of weeks ago when we were out down in um, Southern Colorado. Um, and I made a video showing how I did my processing to get that vintage film kind of look mm-hmm. um, that we had talked about. So if you're curious on how, how to make that vintage look, I was using Lightroom. Um, then that is available now on the website for our uh, supporters. Um, so that's, just some stuff that's out there. So it's, again, we are very appreciative of everybody who is supporting our show um, through our uh, Patreon. So again, thank you. Speaking of very quick. uh, Yeah. We did sell out our Rocky mountain national park workshop. Yay. Yes, very much. Thank you to all who have signed up. So we're going to be looking forward to that um, in about another two months. Yeah, that'll be really good. Um, And if you are signed up for that, um, I will be sending you all out some some email information on 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 stuff. We're just waiting for the a few little things to settle down, but um, things like lodging information and stuff will be sent out to everybody who signed up because I had some questions about that. Um, but speaking about speaking of shooting more frequently, um, getting out and using your gear, um, one thing that we've both done, and I know you do kind of regularly, even. Almost is, once a week. Yeah, is is uh, and we've talked about it, but you, you go to the local zoo. In our case, it's the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo here in Colorado Springs, which is a nice zoo. Um, but there's other ones. There's the Denver Zoo, and there's you know you probably have a zoo in your area, depending on on that. It's a really good way to get out and get out behind your camera, um, in general. So what we want to talk about is that philosophy of that but we also want to give some gear recommendations for what works well if you want to do shooting in a zoo because while you can go down there and bring your tripod and your 428 probably don't want to <laughs> it's not ideal no, uh, so, so we'll, we'll talk about we'll stuff be, that works better yeah we'll be focusing mainly on uh, the lens choice mm-hmm. and we'll have some ideas for you know things that are fairly affordable 
not the kajillion dollar lenses, but, you know, more reasonable ones that are also, you know, not too hard to handhold. Right. Um, so you go down to the zoo a lot. Let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've been down there. Um, I think I've gone once this year. We went um, maybe twice, but a uh, couple different reasons why zoos are great, right? I mean, first of all, it's, you know, like they said, it's all happening at the zoo. I mean, there's a song <laughs> about it, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's good. Um, but, you know, it's a good way to get out. It's a good way to walk and get some exercise and just get you out of the house. Mm-hmm. And it's generally a fun place to use your camera. Now, it's not always the place where you're going to get world-class photos. That depends a lot on light and conditions and and just, you know, how the zoos arranged. Like, I've struggled at our zoo sometimes because the light can be so harsh and so brutal. Yeah. You know, going there frequently, you end up with a reasonable number of days where you get that bright overcast light. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it is just glorious. Yeah, that's it wonderful. It's so nice. The colors pop. You don't have those harsh shadows. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds are easier to manage. And it's just like night and day. Right. Uh, and being here in Colorado, I mean, this time of year is nice, but there's not a lot of green often. So you right. end up, I come back from, from the zoo with a lot of shots where it's like brown animal on brown rocks with brown dirt. <laughs> and it's just not... But that doesn't mean it's not an enjoyable experience, um, right? Because, right? I mean, the, the point is you're getting out there, you're using your camera, and hopefully you have fun. And if you get some shots that you like, great. But these are not shots that you're necessarily printing or, you know, doing anything other than maybe just sharing. But it's a great way to get to, to know your gear, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Especially if you've got one of the newer cameras with subject detection and all sorts of fancy things um, including a lot of customization options it's a good way to get those things dialed in and know that they will actually work well in the field and you won't run into hidden complications right and most cameras that have that um, will have an animal setting somewhere and for a subject Um, some some of them combine birds with that some of them have a separate bird setting there's a fair degree of overlap sometimes if you're in the bird setting it will detect you know non-birds um yeah i was just gonna say sometimes the way they're labeled is too simplistic um and and there are situations where the animal setting actually that's not the highest priority subject if you with i'll just say with canon um cameras like the r5 that i own you put it on the the animal detection, and if a person is in the frame, guess what it'll go to first? Really, a person. So there can be some hidden priorities right. too, and that's why it is good to have some right. time at the zoo or right. whatever. Most of the ones that use animal detection, they describe it as dogs and cats, but what they really mean is things that look kind of like dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. So I know you've spoken. Um, in the past about how meerkats are just wonderful. They just work really well. Um, And then marmots and mountain goats, piece of cake. On the other hand, there's some animals where you might find your subject detection failing. Giraffes can be one. Nostrils can somehow look like eyes and the cameras can get fooled. So going to the zoo allows you to say, hey, what should my settings be if the subject detection were to fail and focus on the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. What do I need to configure my camera to um, to override that? And 
how you do that really depends on the camera that you have. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's another story. But if you're going to the zoo, we're going to make a couple of assumptions. Um, one is that you probably want to shoot handheld. I'm, I'm going to guess. Uh, yep. So you want something that's manageable, handheld. I mean, you could conceivably bring something like a monopod to a zoo, but you really don't want to get in the so, way of crowds and stuff like that. It just depends when you go. Yeah. If you're able to go at a time where there's just no one there, you know, and not during the summertime, et cetera, um, you have a little bit more flexibility. But I think if you can get away without a monopod, the zoo, that's the way to go. And also not anything that is too bulky that is likely to bang into someone else. Mm -hmm. And also as a general um, um, idea, the earlier you can get there, the better. They mm -hmm. tend to feed the animals in the morning and they tend to be more active before it gets hot. You go to the zoo at noon, all the animals will be in the shade sleeping and you just won't get any kind of photos that are worth, worth a darn. So try to get there early if you can. Um, heck, even get a membership to your local zoo and maybe they let you in earlier than the, the normal admission hours. You just, just depends on the zoo. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's cool. So we're, what, what parameters are we looking for? If you're going to walk around in a zoo, what kind of lens do you think works best, Rick? Well, I think a telephoto zoom makes the most sense since it'll give you some flexibility on composition. Um, and if your primary interest is the animals, um, you probably don't need a wide angle zoom or even a normal zoom, you know, unless you're doing family photos also. So I think a general purpose, not too big, not too heavy, not too expensive telephoto zoom is pretty good. And I would say if you're talking focal lengths, and we'll use full frame equivalents just to make it easier, I think you want at least 300 millimeters. Mm -hmm. If you can get to 400 equivalent, that's wonderful. Um, but you can generally survive in most zoos um, with a 300 equivalent. Again, you have to know your own zoo that you'll be shooting in and mm -hmm. how it's arranged and how close the animals right. are. Right. I mean, and mind you, if you're inside, you know, something like we live in a cold weather, you know, place where there's winter. So a lot of these places have indoor stuff. So it's dark and the lighting sucks and they might be behind glass with reflections. And, yeah. you know, it's nice for looking at the animals, maybe not nice for taking pictures of them. Other places where they're more open zoo and more warm weather climates are a little bit easier for photography most of the time. But yeah, yeah but that it, zoom is important because you want to, it's not because you, it's not the reach, it's being able to zoom out on the larger animals. Yeah. And even the situation that you were talking about where you're having to shoot in slightly darker conditions or fairly dark conditions, um, like the primate house at our zoo, mm -hmm. um, where you've got gorillas and, and other primates in there, it, it's not very bright. But what I find is that if I shoot in black and white, or shoot with black and white in mind, it works pretty well because the photos come out interesting. You can deal with the noise with a lot of the tools that we've mm -hmm. talked about. And then you don't have funny colors due to right. shooting through gl glass or mixed right. lighting, which is the real right. killer. Yeah. Mixed lighting is evil. <laughs> it's just uh, difficult. Yeah. Okay. So, so what we've got then is some ideas for some zooms. The idea, 
sort of the ideal ones for walking around a zoo would be something like a 70 to 300 range. And then if you did want to go longer, we'll talk about some options, but they come with some caveats, something like the 100 to 400 range. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that's a really great range, but there's some caveats with it. So let's, let's just talk about that with your 70 to 300 range. We'll talk about some, some options. These all tend to be fairly easy to handle lenses, lightweight. Um, You know, they weigh about, you know, pound, pound and a half, depending on, on your kit, sometimes even lighter. Um, The 300 range may or may not be quite long enough for some of the stuff that you want to do, but if that's, but, but they do have the advantage of being light and most of them are relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go up to something that if you want to get out to 400 millimeters, um, keep in mind, most of these 70 to 300, you're not going to be able to put a teleconverter on them. So that's not really an option with these. They, they, they just don't work. <clears throat> so if you want to go up to 100, 400, we'll also have some recommendations on those, but now you're talking about three pound lenses, two and a half, three pounds, um, get a lot bulkier and a lot heavier in a hurry mm-hmm. and just can be, so that, so that's some, some things to, to consider. I think the results are wonderful, but they do get heavier, um, significantly heavier yeah. um, very quickly, especially on the full frame, 35 millimeter format bodies. So yeah. it's just something to keep in mind. Um, so when we say what, what is the ideal zoom lens? It's going to be a combination of the focal length, the price point, and what you're comfortable with carrying with your system, you know, at the end of the day. So um, we've got some, let's start with the um, uh, sort of that 70 to 300 range. What are some good options there? Well, how, how about we do this a little bit differently? Okay. Because I think this might flow a, a bit better. We talked about the general parameters and attributes. Mm-hmm. Let's hit it by system. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I think too. that makes it a little bit right. clearer. Right. So no, that makes sense. We'll start with something that I was using just a few days ago at the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> I was shooting with the Fuji X-H2S camera. So okay. That's an APS-C camera. Uh, and it's got all the subject detection modes that we've talked about. And the lens that I absolutely love using with that at the zoo is the Fuji 70-300 F4-5.6. On a, an APS-C body, like that camera, right. you're talking about the equivalent of a 105-450, to which is perfect. glorious. Yeah, glorious. Perfect. And the thing is nice, small, light. It's sharp. Um it has lens stabilization that works with the IBIS system in the body, yay. And it costs seven ninety nine, which is a reasonable price, in yeah. my opinion, for yeah, that. Absolutely. So for Fuji owners, boy, that's just perfect. They have a 100 to 400 um, that you can also use, but that one gets a lot bulkier and heavier. Mm-hmm. 70 to 300 is just delightful. That's nice. Okay. Um, what about... Um... There's also uh, the micro four thirds. If you're really talking about small, mm-hmm. there's several options from a couple of different manufacturers actually, but we'll stick with some of the, the more obvious ones. Um, Olympus makes two different 40 to 150 millimeter lenses, which is a equivalent of an 80 to 300. So that's a nice range. They make a F4 version 
and an F2.8 version. Um, both are good. Um, the difference is size and and price, <laughs> mostly um, that extra stop. The, the, the faster lens, you can put a converter on it. So you could use a tele a converter on, on the uh, F2.8 version of the lens, but it costs more and it's bigger. Um, and uh, the F4 lists for $8.99, sometimes available on sale for less than that, just depends. Um, and the 2.8 is $12.99, it's a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, staying in that same price range, though, uh, you could also, in theory, you know, go the 100 to 400 um, for that same system. We'll come back to right. that a little bit, but that's there is that option, okay? Yeah, it's just a bit bigger, but... Mm-hmm. It's it's not a lens that's hard to use at the zoo. I've used it there. It's not bulky or um, it doesn't get in the way. It's you know it's bulkier than the other lenses. The um, having a having it be two hundred millimeter equivalent lens on the short end is really not a problem at a zoo, and getting to eight hundred millimeters on the long end can be surprisingly nice. I won't I won't say it's absolutely needed it's one of those optional mm-hmm. take it to 11 kind of things but it is kind of cool to to have that option you can just frame your shots very mm-hmm. differently than you might have otherwise i would agree um and, and you know it's it's kind of the size of a you know a 70 to 200 to weight on 35 millimeter right you know so it, we're not talking about a monster to carry on but it is bigger it's yeah. definitely bigger yeah. Um, the 40 to 150 f4 for example i mean it's tiny <laughs> so right now moving into the the 35 millimeter format territory then we got some different so this would be like some canon options nikon options sony full frame mm-hmm. or whatever you call it um a couple of different choices right yeah so for in the canon system you've got two primary choices there's a 100 to 500 that is a big, expensive lens, and, and in my opinion, a bit too bulky to take around the zoo. You can do it. I've done it, but it's not as pleasant. They also have a 100 to 400, 5.6 to f8, which only costs $649. It's very small and light. That's a very nice range, like we talked about, since it'll get out to 400. Mm-hmm. And since Canon makes both full frame and APS-C cameras, you could also put that on one of their APS-C mirrorless bodies and then have more than 600 millimeter millimeters at the long end. Right, So that's true. that becomes a very cool little lens. It's, it's not fast. Like I said, it's a 5.6 to f8. But, but you can make that work very easily, and it's, it's sharp, wide open. It's a good little lens. Mm-hmm. And paired with something like the subject detection autofocus, then it's, it's quite nice. Yeah, it's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, I think every full frame system ought to have a lens like that. That's mm-hmm. my opinion after having used it. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And 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 so now we'll get into systems that don't have that lens. You know, speaking of which, all right? All the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the rest. So so what about other so there's a 70 to 300 tamron makes one you can get it in the sony e-mount for about 500 dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, they also make one that is in the nikon z mount that's uh, about 
it's on sale right now, but it lists for six ninety nine. Um, those would both be relatively lightweight options. Um, and then, if you are a Nikon shooter, you're you. There is the seventy to three hundred uh, AFP full frame thirty five FX lens, which is just under six hundred dollars. So those are all some choices. None of them are going to blow up your budget, I don't think. Now, that's an F-mount lens. And that's so an F-mount lens, right. So you'd also need an FTZ adapter right, to um, go with it. But it's it's a good lens, and it, it works very well for something like this. Mm-hmm. It has the advantage of having stabilization in the lens, which the Tamron surprisingly doesn't. So with right. the Tamron lens on a Nikon body, you you need the IBIS to work. And it will. It's not like it's bad or anything like that. But it is kind of nice to have a lens-based stabilization at the longer focal lengths, especially if you're cropping in more. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some some good options uh, for the, the full-frame systems. Now, if you move up to the 100 to 400 range, you, you're probably going to be spending a lot more money in in some cases the lenses tend to be a lot heavier as well these are going to be two and a half even over three pounds in some cases Um, and all the manufacturers seem to have lenses in this range and they're Uh, very similar to each other mm -hmm. now we mentioned the olympus one simply because it's unique because on the micro four thirds you're really getting the equivalent of an 800 millimeter lens so uh, so so it's a little bit of a different animal there but it's very reasonably priced and like we said it's very easy to handhold you wouldn't be struggling to shoot that lens in a venue like a zoo right but then there's there's some other ones so there's there's um uh you you mentioned there's um sony makes one Nikon makes a 100 to 400. And those uh, two are like twins. Yeah. I've, I've never seen such similar lenses. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean they're copies because they're not. It's just they're incredibly similar in terms of specs and performance. Right. And they they're, cost over about $2,500. They're not, yeah. these are not cheap lenses. They're, no. they're, they're significant and they weigh a lot more. So they're well made, you know, and, and they'll probably, and those will work with a teleconverter. Mm-hmm. So you could extend your reach a little bit, but now you're talking about a kit that you're walking around the zoo with a kit that might weigh between five and seven pounds, depending on the body that you attach it to, you know, depending on yeah. your system. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things. Now there is a Sigma 100 to 400 um, and it's only about $700. I don't have any personal experience with it, um, but they tend to be decent. What mount is that? Um, I believe it comes in, in um you can get them in f mount you know the and canon uh ef mount and then there's also a sigma of uh, a, a modernized version that comes in the sony mount okay um, so the first two are dslr lenses right and then there's a sony mount Third version one is a mirrorless right. yeah. it's a slightly different design i mean it's, and and one thing we should point out too is we're, we're not spending a long time on um dslr mount lenses there are a bunch of them out there at this point and you know again if you take a look at the 70 to 300 class lenses or 100 to 400 class lenses. You'll have some nice options, especially on, on the used market. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty much all good optically. All of the lenses that we've talked about so far are plenty good optically. 
yeah and especially for casual shooting like this too yeah you know i i would say like in the case of the nikon the afp version is the one you should look for Mm -hmm. that that has a faster focusing and better optics than the older versions because there's a lot of older versions of that lens which were much much slower to focus and things like that so the, the newest one is better yeah and one thing i have seen personally is that the focusing speed of the lens can matter uh, for doing this kind of photography, including with subject detection. Slower focusing lenses are just likely to have more out-of-focus shots just because mm-hmm. they're not keeping up with the camera. Right. And, you so know, that's... most of the time at a zoo, it's not a big deal. But if you're doing this no. to practice for other kinds of situations mm-hmm. where where you want, you'll you'll start to see those limitations. And that's a good thing to know. I mean, it's important to know what the what the the limitations might be on your on your gear right um okay did we miss anything maybe our listeners would chime in on that one if we send us an email if you (laughs) if you if if, if there's a lens that we missed there's lots that we haven't talked about there's a ton of lenses this, this was really just intended to be a set to contemplate that at least for those systems and their newer cameras are good choices based on our own experience. Now, one other thing, um, just shifting gears a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. with any luck, (laughs) I make no promises, but with any luck, um, we'll be shooting at the Colorado Renaissance Fair this weekend. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we'll have some pictures to share in a future podcast because I think we both have tickets. It's just a matter of, Right. The, the level of mayhem of getting in. Um, <laughs> it's, and so we'll, we'll reserve judgment on that one to see if it works. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I plan on going with um, my uh, Olympus 40 to 150 mm-hmm. Zoom, the F4 that I have, which is small. That, that should be a great choice. And, and then a couple of the little primes that I got. Um, and that's Ren- uh, Renaissance fairs are fun to photograph at. At least normally. <laughs> yeah, if it works out in the weather. No, I mean, you've got all sorts of people in costume. They want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They right. they like being photographed, you know, so it's just a very pleasant and different experience. So hopefully this will work. Maybe we'll run into each other. Um, Never know. That, that would be good. Um, but other than that, um, like I said, stay tuned for our bonus show that's available to all of our patron supporters. And that'll be coming up um, as well. So um, until next time, happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye.